Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Today I'm talking to Denise Allen. Welcome, Denise. Hi. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. We did a little conversation beforehand, as I always do. And I think I'm, I mean, we could talk about podcasting, we could talk about Pennsylvania, we could talk about, then I think I'm more interested in genealogy because, well, partly because I've had this side project thought about making a podcast where I just go around to all the states, state historians at their state capitals and like hole up in a hotel room nearby and then just do a bunch of long form interviews with the state historian who just like nerd out about all the things that they probably would love to talk about. But anyway, adjacent (laughs) to that is the idea of, so we're in Pennsylvania and you and I were talking about how the records are spread out. And I was reading a blog post you had about there's like a 105 year, you know, rolling window before they were, before the records can even be public, made publicly available. And I guess I'm interested in, you mentioned to me the idea about how history gets written and even how genealogy, genealogical research is done and how it's, I don't want to say it's done like from the professional point of view because individual people do it professionally as well. But I'm wondering how you see the difference between maybe we call it like grassroots versus top down type of research and historical work or research for genealogical work. Oh, it's going to be one of these episodes. So what do you think um, is the big difference between somebody who's doing as you are research professionally, but individually versus maybe somebody who's doing it like at a graduate school? Like what are the big things that they do differently or that you do differently from how they would do it? Yeah, this is something I thought a lot about. So one of the things I've been thinking about is how much genealogy is like a micro history. So you're really looking at not just the family and what people used to call the pedigree, like where you came from. Um, But also you're looking around often in the town that the people lived in and the county that they lived in and who, who their friends were, where they went to church, what they did for work, you know, who they married and, and all that. So um, oftentimes, particularly the further you go back in time, we don't have as many records on people. They didn't have to have a driver's license. They didn't have a birth certificate issued when they were born. Um, many you people were, they didn't have any assets. They didn't have a will. So yeah, it's like, they, they were landless. They, they worked as servants. They worked as indentured labor. And yeah, so um, for folks like that, you, you need to put them in a community of, of people and a historian often is looking at the records of people that are wealthy and famous and own things and trying to tell the tale of those folks. Um, that has, it, well, the other part with an historian too is, uh, who's telling the broader history is, you know, they want to tell a narrative about what it means to be in that time period, you know, what, what the, the zeitgeist was, is another great word. Whereas a genealogist, you're really trying at at this day and age to really deal with the facts as you see them. I mean, there's definitely genealogy that's been done where people get swept up in the, in the narrative, like a historian would, (laughs) um, and, you know, want to be related to a, a Mayflower you know, person or a revolutionary <laughs> war of officer or something. But, you know, for, for me personally, I, I, 
I pursue the stories of of just everyday folks, everyday people that lived in a particular time and place. I find them fascinating. If I can find a a court case that they were involved in or um, some details in a will or a land deed, uh, you know, it, it's or maybe a business ledger where, you know, the store that they shopped at and what they bought you know, at the corner store. I, I find stuff like that very, very, very interesting. Have you ever had any success or have you ever tried um, to compare that type of I'll call those micro histories to use your word. Have you ever tried to compare those micro histories like regionally, like um, Western Maryland versus Eastern Maryland are two very different places, right? Or, and like <laughs> West Virginia is kind of like a little bit like Pittsburgh around, you know, and, but it's very different from the far Eastern ends of Pennsylvania. So have you ever tried to, to just take like one micro history or maybe one family's micro history and work with another genealogist and to try and draw some societal comparisons like using those micro histories? Cause like that's done on the big scale. Oh, here's my you know, the Northern Irish immigrants to the U.S. They do these giant histories, and then they compare it to like the migrant happening in a different you know, at like big scales. I'm wondering if you've done it at the small scale. Yeah, I I have not, but there's local historical societies in every county in Pennsylvania where people have picked up that charge and done it where they've tried to tell the tale of the various ethnic groups, racial groups, religious groups that have come into that area and why they came, what they were doing, uh, who they married, you know, what foods they <laughs> right. ate, you know, they'll tell the whole thing. They're, um, and we were talking about that, my peers and I, the other day of, you know, who wouldn't love a little clickable Google map of all the available people researching in one particular town right now? <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be great. Like, are you researching in Pittsburgh? Me too. Um, which family? Me too. You know, um, I think it would be fun. People do collaborate um, in every county of Pennsylvania. There's volunteers that run Facebook groups. Um, and if you go onto these Facebook groups, they do two things which are outstanding. One, they ban any other conversation other than genealogy. <laughs> you can't talk about anything other than genealogy. And two, they just people just really geeking out on um, local history. So they're sharing local photos of the town that the, from their personal collection. You know who who was there. Um, People will come on and ask, like, oh, I'm looking for so-and-so. And somebody will say, oh, I'm like your third or fourth cousin. Hi. <laughs> and, you know, people make all kinds of connections on there. Um, so those virtual spaces have been wonderful, particularly in our more rural counties. Um, there's not one for Philadelphia, though. No one, no one, <laughs> no one has taken up the charge to do Philadelphia. But uh, for the rest of Pennsylvania's 67 counties, there's a... Uh, local groups where people can really connect. It's fun. I just, I'm fascinated by the scale. So I've, I haven't been to all 50 states, but I've been to probably more than half of the states in the U S plus countries overseas. Mm -hmm. Um, and Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is different. Like <laughs> we yeah, are, well, first of all, it's wide, right? I mean, like Texas is enormous. Okay. Texas, you win, but Pennsylvania is just like, a sea of woodlands. I mean, for people who haven't ever been here, they picture, maybe they picture a city that like Allentown or maybe they picture Erie on a lake, you know, but they, they picture like 
developed. You picked your Pittsburgh or Philadelphia or Harrisburg. I'm like, no, mostly it's, you can't get here. You can't get there from here. You have to go like to the left down the valley. And then you can either go <laughs> around where the creek cut through and it gets all because the Appalachians run through and slice us diagonally. Everything is divided into valleys. And I'm just wondering how, what your thoughts are on are the counties really very much alike? In other words, you go to, you know, Northern Luzerne and it's completely different from Lehigh. Like, is it, what is it about the, the county boundaries? Do they follow, I know some of them follow geography, but like for people who have no clue at all, do they follow geography? Do they follow culture? Do they follow religious boundaries? Like what, you know, why do we have 67 counties what and how happened? are they divided? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about what happened. That's probably a tall order, but you know, like what yeah. really happens at the line when you go from one to the other? Yeah. So you're right about Pennsylvania and that, that uh, kind of ridge, the ridges that go across, you know, from the Northeast down to the Southwest of the state really affected how the state was developed. Um, people don't realize that when people settled, uh, came over from Europe and colonized the southeastern corner, they then went south to Maryland and Virginia and then back up to get to Pittsburgh. <laughs> that was easier <laughs> than going straight across. So uh, It's still um, hard. How many yeah, tunnels are then, there on the turnpike to drive west? <laughs> yeah, all the tunnels and bridges. Yeah, they didn't yeah. do those. So, um, And then the northern half, the top half of the state was really settled by people from Connecticut. It was, in fact, um, disputed with Connecticut for a long time until eh, just after the state constitution was signed um, in the 1780s. People who are bad at geography like me, we don't normally touch Connecticut. <laughs> Connecticut is we don't normally touch person. Connecticut, no. But <laughs> Connecticut had a claim on the top half of the state, and there was actual wars fought. Like people shot each other for like 50 years over land in. Um, it was called the Pennamite Wars and, um, during this uh, late 1600s, early 1700s. So the, the, the county lines are partly geographic mm -hmm. for the most part. You can see this because they're very curvy. Yeah, um, and people from the Midwest, <laughs> yeah, people from the Midwest that look at Pennsylvania county lines, they're like, what are you, what, why? <laughs> when they look at our road maps. They're like, what yeah. are you, yeah, come here. <laughs> yeah. Someone from like Iowa is like, you do lines and straight, you don't make them crooked. Yes. What is your problem? And it, they're following creeks and mountains and things like that. Um, some of the lines in the northwestern part of the state are a little straighter. Um, but yeah, the, during the 1800s, counties got chopped up into smaller and smart, smaller bits. And a lot of it was political. You know, someone influential would go to the state legislature and petition to have a new county formed. Um, they'd say, you know, I have enough people or um, the existing population because of resources, what they were trying to do at the time, whether it was mining or farming or um, forestry, uh, they would have a population that would be too far from the courthouse because all the all your business was right. conducted through the courthouse. So they would say, hey, can we form a new county over here? And most of the time the state would say yes. Um, and then they got to pick the county name. And then you could look at each county for how they, they named the county. Um, but yeah, that that's essentially how the counties were formed. There was no... Uh, no central future. planning. Yeah, no future planning. There wasn't a, a hundred year plan or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about how, and I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that I'm thinking Pennsylvania was settled 
uh, from east westward in like a, a, a water, you know, watercolor wash of mm-hmm. waves of different, t- of different, you know, here come the Italians, here come the Irish, here come the German. Um, mm-hmm. But I hadn't really thought about how that would make much more sense for it to have washed in from the different sides, like from different directions, because it is much easier to enter Pennsylvania from Maryland or from West yeah. Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've yeah. made the drive and yeah. yeah. And I do have to make a plug for Pennsylvania's county courthouses because those were built in the 1800s, almost universally. Some counties ripped theirs down and rebuilt them hmm. um, at a later time, but they're beautiful. So if you if you if you really want to geek out, you could drive to every Pennsylvania county courthouse because they're just adorable and they're all unique. <laughs> do you have an idea roughly how far uh, like the average dimension of a county? Like my brain's thinking, the county that I'm in is got to be. 30 to 40 miles across like lehigh county is not a particularly large county but it's a big you know it's a big chunk of land and when you made the point about county courthouses uh, i happen to live not that far from the county courthouse but i'm like yeah where's the next one craig you know like it's like you're doing like the centers and the jigsaw puzzles or the the centers of the population areas in those jigsaw puzzles and yeah if you were had a horse and buggy or you didn't have a buggy and you just had to walk that would be a long way to go to like Carbon County's courthouse or Bucks County's courthouse. Yeah. You know, like a, a, a person could walk like 10 miles easily in a day, like back and forth. Right. So you wouldn't. And if you travel by horse, you would do, you know, 12 to 20. So that amount of distance from the courthouse was far enough for most people. Right. So if you think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. 30, mi- then, 30 to 40 miles across is about right, right? And you're not like, going to you're not going to go there, conduct your business and then come right back. <laughs> you no, like you'd stay there with friends or yeah, I mean you yeah. you figure well, it out, I, yeah. I I'm also wondering, let's just geek out about Pennsylvania history. Sure. Um, so there uh where I grew up, I grew up in uh, uh tangent is every square inch of Pennsylvania in a county or do we have any wacky geography where we have pieces of land that aren't in counties? Yeah, we do. And you know where the wacky is. I mean, in in Pennsylvania, that's Philadelphia. So. I, I was going to say, we went to talk about that little triangle. Yeah. <laughs> little Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland geometry. Oops. Yeah, for people that don't know, people in Pennsylvania love to tease Philadelphia. It's always like the outlier. I guess people that live around Philadelphia think of themselves as being Yeah, they wish they were Philly. in Philly, but they yeah. can't afford it, right? Yeah, but as soon as you get- <laughs> but it's Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and the rest of it's Alabama. <laughs> I hate that joke. I really hate that joke. Can I just tell you? It's just so mean. Because the people that they call Pennsylvania are the people that provide all the, make food, all the things, all, all, the, all the food, all, all the, the natural resources, <laughs> all the you know. I mean, they're the. You know, there's like hardly any crime in the part that they call Pennsylvania, you know, Mm. you know, they provide most of the tax base, you know, for the state. That's a good point. It's just like, it's crazy. And they keep calling it. And I'm like, that's the majority of the state. (laughs) You know, the the state is 13 million people. (laughs) And, you know, how big is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's 13 million people and and 10 and a half of them live in like like rural to suburban areas. Mm. You know, most of it is not urban. It's very frustrating. I, <laughs> I always right, want to defend. I, I will come down and defend the everyday person over. 
every time. In, in my defense, <laughs> I didn't grow up in the urban areas. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a pot calling the kettle black. Um, you wanted what, to geek out on Pennsylvania history. Um, yeah, and that led me to ask about the any parts of it that aren't in counties. Um, yeah, my brain's just going like, you know, everybody, I have to like Harrisburg is why is Harrisburg over there? It's because it's kind of in the middle. But our state legislature and our state um, senate, like, it's a long way to go. I mean, even today, like, mm-hmm. if we want to go to the. The, it's not the Allegheny Forest. What's the forest? There's a there's a uh, national forest north, kind of like almost Eagle? to Pittsburgh. Yeah, oh, Bald Eagle's okay. up there, but almost to Pittsburgh. There's a big, yeah. nice national forest whose name escapes me. <laughs> it's a drive. It takes you like six hours to get there by car from where I am because you got to go the wrong way and then you got to go the yep. other wrong way. You got to go around. And there's just so much space. Um, has anybody ever tried to subdivide? Like, have we ever had discussions since William Penn about maybe we just cut this thing diagonally over here and the left half can be West, West Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania to the east? Well, I, I th- think the way things are going in the 2020s, we might be able to split this <laughs> up <laughs> due to political lines. I don't know. I mean, um, you know, states... Splitting. I guess the last one was Virginia when it it split into West Virginia and Virginia for the Civil War, right? Mm. And West Virginia went to the Union and Virginia went to the Confederacy. So it's not like it hasn't been done in the history of the United States, but um, I don't. Hey, anything goes these days. You know, we're we're making history every day. So let's see. Yeah. Did you know that Pennsylvania, when Pennsylvania was founded, William Penn thought it was the end times? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, William Penn was a Quaker and he took as um, kind of, he he felt like at the time we were heading towards the end, it was the apocalypse and we were heading towards the period of revelation. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) William Penn. (laughs) Off by a little bit. If only... if only you could be decisions? alive now. <laughs> I don't I don't think that would work. I, I would just be like culture shock. But were there particular decisions that you think he made, you know, that that like how did you discover that and what makes you say that he was thinking that way? Or oh, do you want to it was in his yeah, it was in his personal writings and everything. And it, it maybe it influenced his decision for people to be a little more free here than they were in some of the other colonies. So, mm. you know, William Penn uh, was an Englishman and he had lived in Ireland. Uh, you know, he was a Quaker. We all know that. And there were a lot of English colonies that were founded, um, you know, along the Eastern seaboard, but Pennsylvania was unique in that we allowed anyone to practice any religion here from the get go. So there were over 20 religions in Pennsylvania right from the beginning, whereas Maryland to the South was a Catholic colony and New Jersey to the East was, uh, pretty much Episcopalians. So, and New York was the Dutch, right? The Dutch reformed uh, mostly, although uh, also very cosmopolitan and very uh, focused on economics from the very beginning, (laughs) good old New York. But um, Pennsylvania was seen as a haven. So we had a lot of people that came here that were very uh, 
kind of mystical followers and you know started and some very the Moravians unique Moravians and yeah Lutherans. yeah we had the Moravians lot. we had the Swedenborgians um they're still around they're called the new church now uh the brethren the Mennonites the Amish um the Baptists very controversial <laughs> yeah. um, we had Jewish people we had a couple Muslims not many um of course the Quakers and uh yeah, the Lutherans, the evangelical Lutherans. I mean, it just goes on and on. It was so for people researching in Pennsylvania, you really have to know, and it's hard to determine it, but you have to figure this out, like what their religion was. Cause you, I can tell you, they were pretty much only marrying within their own religion for a very long time. You didn't right. cross, you know, right. <laughs> and then into that church other would religions. Have its own yeah. Records of uh, births and deaths and marriages that were performed. What? I said that each of the church, each of the religious, yeah. you know, the central organization for the religion would keep its own records and probably still does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I um, forgot about the Methodists. Yeah. They wrote up for Maryland. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm watching the time and we're kind of blowing past 20 minutes. So uh, I think as much as we didn't talk at all about podcasting, um, <laughs> what's the name of your website and the name of your podcast? Because we mentioned it, but we didn't really go deep on the podcast. So give me the name. Yeah. So... The podcast is Your Pennsylvania Ancestors, um, and I interview historians and archivists mostly about Pennsylvania history and where our records are in the genealogy records, because we do have things fairly dispersed uh, for genealogists. And the website is PA Ancestors, and PA is the short way you say Pennsylvania, and a lot of us use it here. Um <laughs> But it's paancestors.com. Yeah. And yeah, check it out. I'd love for you to, if anyone's curious, almost, uh, I want to say almost everyone in the country has an ancestor in Pennsylvania, but uh, we had a, a lot of very uh, prolific Germans early on. So <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> and uh, several generations, yeah. Yeah, and Scots-Irish. So a lot yeah. of people can trace at least one ancestor to Pennsylvania and immediately get stuck here. Like, why can't I find their records? Yeah. <laughs> and here I am. That, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, Denise. Well, um, as I said, everybody, it was a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. And thanks for taking the time today. Oh, it was great to talk to you too. Thanks for inviting me.